This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to the Equity Mate Summer Series, proudly brought to you by Comsec, the home of investing. Over 12 episodes, we're deep diving into some of the most exciting, interesting, and well-known companies from around the world. Each episode, we'll be unpacking one company with one expert. We'll be learning from their process, and we'll hear why they like the company. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. <laughs> Strange inflection. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I'm excited for this episode. We are talking about... An unloved company? I kind of, uh, yeah. After and, uh, looking into it, I kind of love it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I, I think, you know, again, the beauty of this summer series is we get to speak about so many different types of companies. We've spoken about one of the most loved companies of last year, NVIDIA. Mm. Uh, and this company, look, it was up last year. Uh, it was up, I think, about 15% for the year. But it's in a sector which is, I guess, a bit unloved. And I think the whole the business here in Australia is a bit unloved. So it's an interesting one to sort of talk about and unpack how you take a contrarian position on a company. So the company we're talking about today is Viva Energy. For context, the unloved part of their business, the main part of their business is oil refining in a high energy cost, high labor cost country like Australia. Mm. But that's what we're going to be talking about. And the person who's going to be taking us through it, the expert who will be sharing his contrarian take is Oscar Oberg, a lead portfolio manager at Wilson Asset Management. Now, the Equity Mates Summer Series is proudly supported by Comsec. If the Equity Mates content isn't enough for you, Comsec has a content hub stocked with all the support, information, and resources you need to build confidence and make the right money moves. Get $0 brokerage on your first 10 trades for Australian markets when you join. Download the Comsec app today or visit comsec.com.au. Comsec T's and C's and other fees and charges apply. Now, before we get started, we need to remind you that while we are licensed, we're not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Any information on this show is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice. Now, Bryce, with that said, before we speak to Oscar, let's unpack Viva Energy. Ren, Viva Energy is an Australian energy company. (laughs) (laughs) It's in the name, just like corporate travel. No, it's an Australian energy company that operates in three well, it has sort of three distinct businesses within it. So it's got energy and infrastructure. It owns the Geelong oil refinery. I think that's one of two 
refineries left in Australia. It operates in the commercial and industrial fuel space. So the B2B part of the business, you know, fuel and energy for things like planes, ships, agriculture, real industrial part of the business. And then thirdly is the convenience and mobility. That's what the company calls it. But in other words, that's their retail petrol stations and operation of the retail stores across Australia, Shell retail stores across and Coles, I should say. So yeah, three main elements to the business. Yeah. Now, uh, to give you a bit of context and a bit of history, Viva was uh, essentially spun out or it was bought out of Shell's business in Australia. And so, I mean, that's why they were involved in Shell service stations. So that was in 2014. Then Viva was floated on the ASX in 2018. And my experience with Viva, so when I was at Coles, Coles would run the service station shop and then Viva would supply the petrol. They yep. were in charge of the forecourt. Yep. And it was really like, this is what you're responsible for. This is what we're responsible right. for. And I just remember, because I didn't work in Coles Express, so I'm not speaking out of school here. This is all sort of just what you'd learn from yeah. being in the same building and reading the news. But Coles, it was such a pain point for Coles that their petrol was always more expensive than competitors. And it was always more expensive because Viva weren't making any money from the shop. They were only making money from the fuel. So whereas competitors could price their fuel at cost yeah, and then make, make money, money from the shop, yeah. Viva, if they were going to make money from this business, had, had to, to make it from fuel. the fuel. And so I just remember there was always negotiations around fuel prices and this and that. It was a bad business structure. Yeah, and that's yeah. my view looking from the outside. Yeah. Um, and since then, Viva have now bought the Coles Express yeah. business. And I think they're, they're in the process of rebranding them. They've also bought a South Australian business on the run, hmm. which I'd never heard of. But I asked Alf and uh, he said, so Alf is from Adelaide. Uh, yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I've, I know it. Interesting. Didn't give me much more than that, but <laughs> he confirmed its existence. So they have on the run in South Australia and they've got about 710 shell sites operated by Coles Express, well, now operated by Viva Energy across the country and it makes sense that they're going to roll this up yeah. into one single brand across the country. It's a pretty significant network size when you look at it compared to their competitors. It's actually the largest in terms of fuel and convenience. As I said, 710 stores. Then Ampol comes in second and then the 7-Eleven network is third. On the run is the ninth largest, but if you combine on the run and shell together, they're going to be close to a close to a thousand uh, stores across the network. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, small format retail in Australia, it's it's not as exciting as it is overseas. I think is yeah, a, it's massive overseas. Yeah, UK, like, Japan. We spoke to Asia. Are you just naming yeah. different parts of the world? South America. <laughs> we, so we spoke. We recently we spoke to Ashish Swarup yeah. uh, before he pitched at the HM1 conference. He spoke about Uni President Enterprises Corporation, a funny company name. Mm. Like how generic corporate could you be? <laughs> Uni President Enterprises Corporation, but they are a small format retailer out of Taiwan and in across parts of Asia now. And you know he was talking about how good they are at small format retailing. When we went to Japan, like you're just blown away by the um, the Lawsons and the 7-Elevens. Unbelievable. We've spoken to another expert who um, spoke about alimentation 
Coutard. In Canada. I butchered that. French Canada now, but like 14,000 um, stores apparently there. Great small format retailers. No one does it well in Australia. No. Well, maybe on the run do. We're about to find out. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're about to hear. Well, I mean, Let's- I mean, find out when they come to New South Wales. Oh, uh, true, true, true. Because <laughs> I tell you one thing. For me, it's just still too snacky whenever I go into those places. I think that for me, the difference between thinking about Lawson's is you could actually get decent meals in there. Yeah, I mean, you are obsessed with the idea of a deep fry being next to the counter. Yeah, well, <laughs> who doesn't want that? <laughs> anyway, let's get back to Viva Energy. So essentially, the original business was the oil refining business. The second business is B2B, selling that refined oil to industrial customers, airlines and the like. And then the third business is the small format retail business. Mm. It's an unloved part of the market, the oil company. Obviously, I feel like 2021 and before then, there was a real... ESG movement. 2022 saw a bit of an anti-ESG shift and a lot of the oil companies did quite well. But yeah, I don't, I, I, Aviva wouldn't be in a particularly loved part of the market, I would say. From an ESG perspective? Or just, or? Yeah. And just like the, from an ESG point of view, but also just like the, it, it's not seen as a very future facing industry. Yeah. Let's put it yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No one thinks there's big structural tailwinds driving oil for the next few decades. Yeah. 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 Although, like, we're always going to need it. As much as people might not want to hear that, it's just how much we need. Mm. And then oil refining in Australia is kind of like aluminium smelting and steel making. We are a high labor cost, high energy cost country. Mm. And so a lot of these heavy industrial businesses struggle. Mm. So that also makes it unloved. And then retail is brutal. So, Retail's brutal, but they're putting a lot of focus on it. Well, I guess I guess my point with all that is this certainly feels like an unloved company. It does. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to hearing Oscar's take on, on Viva because he's obviously going to be pretty bullish on it, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I think the final element why it's unloved is it's swings between being profitable and being unprofitable. And mm. it's quite – it's mm. – its earnings are quite volatile. Mm. So add that all together and Oscar's got a tough break. I have a soft spot for retail. You are. you For a while, you were trying to call yourself the retail whisperer. No, you were calling, you were calling me the retail whisperer. For a while, on the show, you were getting named the retail whisperer. Yes, um, but look, I'm, I'm looking forward to speaking to Oscar about, to your point, Ren, feels like it could be an unloved company, but where does the future lie for a company that is facing... I would, yeah, probably not as many structural tailwinds as the, some of the other companies that we're talking about yeah, in the summer yeah, yeah, series. Yeah. I don't think it could be an unloved company. I think it is an unloved company. The question is, should it be? Well, let's get Oscar in to find out. Before we speak to Oscar, if you've just joined us but are feeling a little overwhelmed with where to start or confused about some of the investing lingo in today's episode, then Comsec's Stocked Content Hub could help. Stock up on the tips and tools to help you find and research a stock and understand the stock market. Visit comsec.com.au for more and also check out our Get Started Investing podcast. Nice. We'll be right back with Oscar after this short break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Equity Mates Summer Series. Well, it's a pleasure to welcome Oscar Oberg to the studio. Oscar, welcome to Equity Mates. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. So to kick off, can you tell us what do Viva Energy do? Yeah, sure. So Viva Energy is quite a large company listed on the ASX, I think back in 2017. And effectively, it's got three divisions. So the first division is the retail division. Think of that as Coles Express or Shell service stations across Australia. There's um, just over 700 of them. They've got a commercial division. This division supplies fuel to, say, the aviation industry or the cruise industry or the agricultural mining industry. So obviously outside of retail, call it B2B or business to business. And then you have the refining business. So refining is a very cyclical industry. And think of that as Fever Energy receives a lot of the, the oil that's pumped out of the ground or crude, and then they convert it at their Geelong refinery, which is this huge facility down in Geelong. And that will then ship off for their own needs or for, for other, call it petroleum companies. So that, I think that refineries will refines 25% of Australia's crude oil that comes in every day. So it's, it's very, very important to Australia. So that's probably the three divisions, retail, commercial and refining. Yeah, right. Nice. And in terms of the respective sizes of the divisions, give us a sense of how big they are in the context of the company. Yeah. So that's, that's I mean, this is why I'm here today because it's, it's an interesting <laughs> one, this, this business, because refining is a highly, highly cyclical industry. And I think it was through COVID, you know, when no one was driving cars and you know, all the planes were down and no, no one was flying. Now that business lost over $100 million of earnings last year because effectively all started up again and a number of refineries closed through that COVID period. You know, it did well in excess of $500 million of earnings. So mm-hmm. that business varies year to year. But, you know, if we were to assume, call it a mid-cycle level of earnings, at this juncture, that business should do around, call it 30 to 35% of earnings. And then the remainder is split pretty evenly between retail and commercial. Yeah, okay. So we're going to talk about, I guess, the, the bull case, how you build a thesis, and then the bear case, some of the risks that, that you're thinking about when you're looking at a company like Viva. Before we get to there, let's just talk about how you analyze it. So you come to this company, it's got a retailing arm, B2B arm, and a refining arm. What are the metrics that you're looking at to assess whether it's an interesting company or not? How are you going about analyzing it? So in terms of at Wilson Asset Management, where I work, we're always looking for undervalued growth companies and we want a catalyst. And that for us is always the most important thing when we're, we're buying a company. And that catalyst actually came in 2021 for Viva Energy. And what happened was with the refining business, as I said before, it's very cyclical and it lost a lot of money in, in 2020. And at that point in time, I think there were four refineries in Australia and two of them said, enough's enough, we're going to close. And sure enough, they did leaving obviously the Geelong refinery and one other. But the government at that point in time was like, hang on here, what about our security of fuel in this country? Like, you know, if we have another COVID event, like, you know, we've lost two refineries, we've only got two in the country, you know, appreciate it's a very hard industry. It probably shouldn't be done in Australia because of how high costs are, but we need, we need to secure our supply of crude oil. 
And so what the government did was they created what's called a floor or basically think of it almost like an insurance payment to the refiners such as Viva Energy. So what, what this payment means is that effectively the lowest amount of earnings that these refiners can make or Viva Energy is $100 million. So that's the lowest it can go now. It won't make a loss of say 200, 300. It will actually make a profit of 100. Wow. And that is the catalyst for us because now we see that the, the downside to this business is now capped. Mm. So that was the initial catalyst for us. It's crazy that the government don't say, we'll get you back to break even. Zero, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy <laughs> that the insurance gets you to $100 million in profit. Well, it sounds a lot, but these are very capital-intensive industries and, and they're very like you need a whole heap of capex, uh, capital of, of expenditure every year to keep true, from going. True, true. Yeah, yeah. And so even at, at 100, it sounds a lot, but they're probably not even making their cost of capital at that mm. point. So all it is is effectively preventing these businesses from losing money, which is a good thing because the government effectively needs – you know, security of supply of, of fuel in Australia. It's a good thing for investors as well. <laughs> well. It's a great thing for investors, which I don't think the market has fully appreciated yet because what happened and, you know, typically this is typical in investing, isn't it? The government came in and said, oh, we're going to give you this payment. This is great. And then after that point, refining margins went up a huge amount and Viva did over $500 million of earnings in that division right. last year. So it will take it for refining margins to fall a long way for the market to then to see, well, the worst the business can do is $100 million, and at least that's my backstop. Have you seen that then flow into how they invest back into the other, what, B2B and, and retail? Like if they have this safety net of like, guys, we're going to be making $100 million bucks here. Like, has that changed how they operate the other two? So I think they've, they've had a massive windfall over the last 12 to 18 months. And a lot of this is getting used for the long-term strategy, which I'll talk about in a second. But uh, there is no doubt now in the back of their minds, you know, if you, you can have a profit of 100 versus a loss of 100, that's a $200 million turnaround. You know, that's huge for your cash flow and, and your ability to forecast, you know, what you're going to spend in the future. So there's no doubt that would have a benefit to them in the back of their mind. Just randomly, but if if Ren and I were to start a refinery, would we get that government benefit or is it for existing refineries? Good question. I think it, it would cost a bomb <laughs> yes. to start your own refinery. So good luck with that. I don't know how you do it. But, Does uh, Wilson want to come in on it? No, yeah, I don't know. It's a pretty tough industry. Yeah. I mean, to replace it, I've been to the Geelong refinery. It's enormous. Mm. It's enormous. Mm. And, it, you know, it was, I remember when I went down there, it was losing like $150 million or something that year. And you're looking at it go, whoa, how does this thing lose that amount of money? It's so impressive. But, yeah, like, I mean, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I don't really yeah. know. I, I, mean, know the answer. I mean, the answer is high energy costs and high labor costs. Yeah. That's how they lose 150 million. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> we want to get to the, I guess, the longer term strategy. One more question on the guarantee before then, or the insurance policy. Is it permanent or is it a COVID era policy? Is that like, does the market think maybe there's risk that it comes off at some point? So it's, it's guaranteed, I think, to 2028. Okay. But I think the fact that you've had two refineries leave you know, the Australian market since that point probably tells you that, you know, it's very important for the government. So, you know, whether it gets changed in some some way or, or, or not in the future, who knows? But again, you know, $100 million of earnings sounds a lot, but, it, it you know, as it falls to the bottom line, if you look at the profit line after all depreciation, interest, et cetera, it's probably it'd be break even at best. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so, you know, I think what's more important for probably for the government is preventing yeah, you know, if there's a COVID situation again, like we don't want to run out of crew. Yeah, yeah. Or or a national security a situation where we're yeah. we're a little island in the corner of the map yeah. cut off from the rest of the world. Well, we need I to think be able it, to refine. Think about 
the Russia-Ukraine war and what's happened in Europe. I think that's that's the what yeah. you think about when, when you, in terms of what they've done there. Yeah, so that's the downside we've spoken yep. a little bit about, but we're not here to talk about the downside. We're here to talk about the upside. So let's talk about the bull case. Yep. Um, what, like, what is Viva Energy doing that is really interesting to you? And, you know, your long-term investors at Wilson, we like to think long-term uh, here at Equity Mates. So how are they building long-term sustainable competitive advantage? Yep. So I think when people think about Viva Energy in the broader Australian share market, they think about the refining division, which is what I just talked about before. And as I said, now the downside's capped in that division. They've had a windfall over the last year or two, so they've got excess cash on the balance sheet. And what they've done with that is they've effectively, they've done two things. So when you see a Coles Express service station, in the past, Viva Energy used to run the fuel and actually Coles used to run the shop. And so Viva made all their money from, from the fuel, but they didn't make any money from the shop. And so basically about 12 months ago, Viva bought, I guess, the, the shop from Coles, paid them an amount of money for that, and now they control everything. And that's across 700 service stations across Australia. But the big thing they've done is about, oh, about nine months ago or so, they bought the largest operator of service stations in South Australia called On The Run. Now, you might go, oh, South Australia, it's a small state. Um, you know, who cares sort of thing, you know what I mean? And it is. However, well, that's, that's your saying. We love our Adelaide and South Australia <laughs> listeners here. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> Adelaide shareholders for Wham Capital as well. We love you too. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, this business on the run, I've been lucky enough to go down and see it. And yeah, and you know, your South Australian listeners will know this business very well. They've effectively changed call it retailing in, in, I guess, the service station industry. If you go to one of these and you compare it to, you know, Coles Express or BP, you'd be like, whoa, like what is this business? And to give you some maths around how well this business does, so the average on-the-run service station does approximately, I think, $4 million of, of, of sales a year. Uh, your average Coles Express service station does about one6 Wow. The wow. margins and on-the-run service station does about 40% at the gross level before corporate overhead and Coles Express, I think does about 32 or 33. So they generate more revenue, they're more profitable and Viva has now bought it. Now what Viva is going to do over the next, you know, five to seven years or so is they're going to slowly convert their 700 Coles Express service stations across Australia and change them to on the run. What and are they doing differently? Great question. So it's funny, like you always see things on a bit of paper and then until you go in there and you sort of get like, you know, you see it and you go, oh, I sort of get that. And, you know, I was very sceptical as well. And then I went into one and we went to a few. We probably went to 10 and spent like a whole day doing it. And it's pretty simple. It's just they're, they're retailers. And Yasser, the guy, the, the founder of the business, you know, he's had this view with service stations longer term that electric vehicles is, you know, effectively going to disrupt the industry. So he's built his business not on the fuel, but on the shop. It's all about the shop. It's all about convenience. It's all about people coming in, having a great experience and and wanting to come again and buy, not just when they're fueled, just in everyday life. And so if you go to the, the average on the run will have its own franchise. Most service station operators lease that out to someone else. They actually operate it. Yasser himself, I think, worked in a subway in the United States a number of years ago for a long time and understood it and brought it out into Australia as one of the first service stations to do that. So you've got the franchise, they earn more money. You've got to take more risk, but they earn more money. 
a large percentage as well of his store is private label, so his own brands. And so you actually get a higher mm. margin on that. Mm. They have a barista in most on the runs. So if you think about it, if I go, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to my local service station's five minutes away, on the app, then I'll come back to the app. On the app, you can, you know, get your co- order your coffee. Then you go to the servo, coffee's ready, thank you very much. I'll get some lollies at the front, or, you know, whatever. That's a private label. That's not a ra- that's a random brand you never heard of. They make good margin off that and then take it off and away you go. The other thing that they do, which I think is huge, is I don't think I, I may correct maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't think I've seen an app for Ampol or Coles Express or anything like that really can do anything or BP like within the shop. Well, these guys have their own app. So effectively what you can do is you go to the servo. You, you put your, um, your petrol in the car and then you can pay at the Bowser. And also when you pay as well, like a call, think of it like a poker machine comes out, <laughs> up, spins get and rewards. might say, oh, I have a free water or have a free coffee. Oh, you get 10% off your Force petrol, inside. all that sort of stuff. So it gets you coming back. Mm. And look, for context, Coles Express, in, in terms of the Coles Express service stations that are near and on the run, like it's certainly within the Adelaide CBD. I don't think, it, I think there's a high percentage of those ones that lose money because these guys have just dominated the industry. So clearly, yeah, if you look at the maths behind the rollout, so you think, okay, there's 700 service stations, there's a growth pipeline of another, call it 150 with the on the run just from their current growth profile. So we could be sitting here in, say, five or six years' time where the 700 service stations go to 1,000 in Australia. They go from branded from Coles Express to on the run. Each service station is earning sales of $4 million instead of 1.6 at a higher margin. And you plug that into sort of your numbers and suddenly you've got a retail division that a year ago didn't generate any money from the shop, but went in in about five years' time, will do well over 50%. And in terms of valuation, and that's important for us when we look at companies like this, Today, Viva Energy is trading on a valuation of 11 times on a price earnings multiple. I think the market might be 16 to 17 times, so it's a discount to the market. It is trading at a dividend yield of about 5 or 6%, so the stock is very cheap. Woolworths, which is a convenience retailer, mm. is currently trading on a price earnings multiple of around 22, 23 times earnings. Now, I'm not saying that it goes to 22, 23, but does it go to 15? And so you've got a period where your earnings, you know, can effectively double for this business in the next five years. But not only can the earnings double, but the valuation could also go up 50% as well. So this is why it's, you know, we're very bullish on the stock. We really like it. It's a really good long-term play and we think the share price can more than double from here. Pretty convincing. Mm. <laughs> nice. So Oscar, but it's a good story. They've got it is a good story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're both ex-retail, so can certainly understand what you're talking about. Um, Ren's a Coles boy, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a Woolies guy, yeah. so. We, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was saying before we turned the mics on, we, I, I wasn't in Coles Express, but we heard about the Coles Express and Viva relationship and Viva were always known as very tough negotiators. So <laughs> <laughs> probably good if you're an investor in that business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, it just reminds me, we, we've spoken to an expert on the show before about the Canadian retailer. Yeah. Um, I'm going to butcher the name. Kush, uh, Kushar Tart, Alimentation yep. Kushar Tart, yep, yep. who are just like- Gold standard, aren't they? Yeah, just nailed the small format convenience retail. And I think they've got like 14,000 stores. That's so, right. Yeah. That's what Canada, they're trying 14, to do. Well, I mean, Canada, North America is a true, much true. bigger market than Australia. But <laughs> than South Australia. The nailing, the, <laughs> nailing the small format retail is something that Australia hasn't really done. Like you mm. go to Asia and like Correct. their small format retail is just 
unbelievable. There's some big players in America that are doing it well. I'm here for Australia to get small format right because it would just make our lives better, you know? Oh, totally. Uh, I mean, ma- marginally better, not like a massive change, but, you know. Yeah, nice. oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's who they're trying to um, become. Like mm. I think Kushtad trades at, I think, like 10 or 12 times EBITDA and Viva's at five. So mm. it's double the valuation. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And then so to close out, I guess, the, the third component before we move to the bear case, is there, I guess, any part of the thesis that revolves around their B2B or – is that just a, a nice to have? Well, the B2B business, not the commercial business. If you looked at Viva over the last five years, that's been the highest performing business. And it does get lost in the, you know, I think we all take that business for granted, but he's done incredibly well. And management themselves have a target that they put out to market a few weeks ago of getting that business to well over $500 million of earnings in the next five years. I think it's currently doing about 300, 350 but they've done incredibly well taking market share. Like as other competitors pulled out of aviation or marine, they actually went stronger when times were tough and they've taken market share there. So there's that more acquisitions they can do in that space in time. But definitely if we looked at Viva today, where the majority of the growth is going to come from is and the re-rating of the share price or the high valuation is definitely from the retail division. Yeah, Yeah. nice. So let's turn to the bear case. You've laid out the thesis. It's certainly compelling. What are the risks to that thesis? And as a someone who's holding the stock, what are you watching? And like, what would be your sell signal? Oh, it's it's execution, execution, yeah. execution, execution. So, I mean, all those metrics I just talked about. Then, you know, we need to be making sure that they are achieving that. They're also given guidance around what they're going to spend on capital expenditure to roll these stores out. And if that blows out, and they're not getting the returns that they've said that they would to the market, that's definitely a sell signal. Mm. But I think like, you know, the interesting thing with with this and you guys worked in retail and all your listeners work in retail and I always say this to my friends and stuff in the market, you'll know whether it's working or not just by walking into one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And there, there's one in I think Lane Cove in Sydney and there's they're, they're starting to come out in a few states. Just walk into one and then compare it to the Coles Express down the road. Yeah. You'll know. And I think with these big acquisitions and this is probably the biggest risk as well as execution, is Viva is a big company. It is a huge company. It's combining the Viva systems, the Coal systems, and the on-the-run systems. When we look at companies, when they're doing acquisitions, it's always the systems integration. If that stuff's up, that's usually you know, when things go bad. So it is a big, big job. There's yeah. no doubt about it. But we always come back to management. And you know, for us, when we look at particularly Javan, who used to be the chief financial officer at Viva, is now the head of retail. We think he's one of the best guys we've met in the market over the years. And Scott, the chief executive, you know, in terms of what he did through COVID and the minimum support for refining was huge. And he's been with the business forever. Like they're a great management team. And we've been lucky enough to meet the executives underneath and they're, they're very high quality as well. So that gives us some comfort. But, you know, as I said, it's a great story to talk about. But it just comes down to execution yeah. and that's what you're going to monitor the most. The South Australian guy, I've forgotten his name, who- Yasa. Uh, Yasa. Is he staying with the business? Yes, he is. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. reassuring. And he's, he's yeah. young as well. Like so, And I think he's- you, you meet a lot of these management managers over the years and you know like what their passion is. And I feel with Yasa, he's, he's, you've met him a couple of times now, it's- it's almost like world domination. That's that's what he wants. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he knows that this industry is work like, you know, I think he's lawyer by trade. He came into the industry sort of, you know, they had I think one service station in Adelaide and he wanted to make it work and then one becomes two, two becomes four, eight, you know, et cetera. 
And so he's done it from the ground up. So he wants it to work across Australia and change the industry. Well, one uh, Adelaide person has already achieved world domination with Rupert. So (laughs) maybe there'll be another one. There you go. There you go. (laughs) So Oscar, to sum up, if all of this plays out as expected and looking sort of beyond that five-year timeframe that the management have sort of put forward, what do you expect the Viva Energy to look like as a business in 10 years? (sighs) Like, I mean, this I'm talking about. See, the, th- the thing is with Viva, there's just, I mean, I'm just talking about the five years here, five to six years with the retail rollout. And, you know, if that is successful, you know, as I said, like shares are trading at $3 at the moment, it really should be $6 with a re rating of the share price as well. But the business generates great cash flow. So it's got a, a huge amount of opportunities with it as well. So, you know, something I haven't talked about today is, for instance, they're thinking hasn't exactly happened yet, but there's, you know, with a number of partners, they're thinking the excess land that they have at Geelong, at the Geelong refinery, they wanted to import terminal for LNG gas. I mean, that could be something that comes, that'd be substantial and they could take an infrastructure style return on that. That'd be huge. The government with what they did with the refining and the minimum payment to the refiners, they also have minimum storage obligations which means that a lot of their competitors, Viva's competitors, are forced to have excess crude stored at Ampol, which is obviously a competitor to Viva and Viva's refinery. So mm. that could be additional earnings as well to Viva. So, yeah, I mean, like everything I've talked about today increases the earnings space by more than double, but the business will look vastly different in five years with all this excess cash. And as I said, the, the business, you know, right, if, if, if I'm wrong, right, the business today is he's got minimal debt, it pays a dividend yield of six percent, and it's trading at eleven times earnings. Like it's 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 not priced for perfection. It's not priced for this to occur. So the, you know, if if I'm wrong, I still feel there's like decent downside protection mm-hmm. for the call, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, given the valuation is very attractive, so. I haven't really answered your question, even though I spoke for a long time. No, no, no. <laughs> but I, I, I do, think, yeah. I do yeah. think, like you know, if you, they've guided to sort of one point two five billion. In five years or so, like you know, if they execute on that plus the cash they generate, like it could be line of sight at that point to two billion mm. for mm. all we know, because there's mm. just a lot they can do, mm. and they can take on the run. You know, why can't they take in Asia mm. as an example? Yeah, it's not something they're talking about, but like, why not? If it's yeah. successful here, it generally works in Asia and New Zealand. Plenty of opportunity ahead. So one one more question before we end. I know we normally finish on what does the long term vision look like, but a couple of times we've talked about re rating of the stock. It's an oil company and oil was on the nose. And then I feel last year there was a big like anti-ASG push and oil stocks seem to outperform. But is the reason that the market has derated it compared to its peers and compared to the market average because it's in a sector that's a bit unloved at the moment? Is that the, yeah. So I definitely agree. And I still think people associate Viva with the old Viva, if that makes sense. So the old Viva was dominated by a refining division that would be profitable one year and loss making the next. Now we know that the worst case scenario is is $100 million of EBITDA or mm-hmm. earnings, give or take. So for me, I think it's going to take, I know this might sound silly, but it'll take for that business to lose a heap of money and then for the government to kick in yeah. and it goes back to $100 million of earnings and everyone goes, oh, okay, geez, what do I value that $100 million of earnings on? I think it's a little bit more than I used to value the refining division because that's underwritten by the government. It's like an infrastructure asset. Yeah. So 
uh, I think that for me is probably the key. That, that'll be the turning point for the company because at the moment, last year and this year to a certain extent, refining margins coming out of Asia, which dictate the market, be very high because there's been a shortage of effectively refined crude, let's call it crude oil globally. And so Aviva and Ampol have been over-earning in that space. And that's a big reason why the shares are trading cheaply because people think those earnings are too high and will come back at some point. So for me, I think it's when they come back and then the market realise, well, they haven't gone back as far as we thought, that will be a positive for the stock. And then broadly speaking, over the next five years, if they're successful in retail and rolling it out and the commercial business does what it's going to do, you know, suddenly you build a case in five years' time that the refining division goes from 30, 35% of earnings to 10 to 15% of earnings. And so it's not as important to the business as it used to be. Mm. So that mix change is what really should, over time, get that valuation higher. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, yeah. it's a company we'll be watching. Sounds like it's a company we'll be frequenting more and more as we fill up our cars. So we'll walk in and we'll assess, is this thesis playing out? Exactly. Thanks for your time. No, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Now, before we go, we want to say a huge thanks to our summer series partner, Comsec, the home of investing. If you're looking for more support and resources to build confidence in the market, head to their content hub. Otherwise, you can get $0 brokerage on your first 10 trades for Aussie markets when you join, brokerage on US stocks from just $5, US and you can invest as little as $50 through the ComBank app. Download the ComBank app today or visit combank.com.au. Comsec T's and C's and other fees and charges apply. Investing in overseas markets exposes you to additional risk. And in our next episode for the Equity Mates Summer Series, we're joined by Scott Phillips to unpack corporate travel management. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.